Hello and welcome. You're listening to KTAR's Arizona's News Roundup, the weekly podcast that gets you all caught up on the biggest stories in the state on your time from a Valley point of view. I'm your host, Taylor Kinnerup, Managing Editor here at KTAR News. Behind the board is editor and producer Kate Orda. We're two Valley natives breaking down Arizona's top stories this week. We also look ahead at what's to come to make sure you know what to keep an eye out on until our next episode. On this episode, though, we have two weeks of headlines to catch you up on after last week's Arizona's News Roundup special on the legacy of the voice of the Phoenix Suns, Al McCoy. If you haven't heard that yet, be sure to check it out anywhere you listen to Arizona's News Roundup. But for this episode, we're breaking down the state of election lawsuits in Arizona, a push from the federal government to combat Valley homelessness. But first, we're starting with... The Arizona Coyotes Search for a New Home On May 16th, the city of Tempe held a special election where voters were asked to unanimously pass three propositions in order to build a new entertainment district on city-owned land. The entertainment district would have included an ice hockey arena for, you guessed it, the Arizona Coyotes. The Coyotes owner, Alex Morello, also established with the Tempe City Council that the arena would be entirely paid for by the team. To the surprise of many, the special election drew a big crowd, at least for a special election. Maricopa County recorder Stephen Richer, whose team helped the city of Tempe with the election, spoke with KTAR's Taylor Tassler about this. We normally see about 32% participation for an odd-year jurisdictional election. For Tempe, I think we round up being about 36-37% of registered Tempe voters. That's exceptionally impressive when you remember that there was no in-person voting available for this election. It was an all-mail-in election where voters who missed the deadline to physically mail back their ballots could only drop them off at specific ballot boxes in the city. So what I'm saying is, while to the average person, 36 or 37 percent voter turnout seems kind of low, it's actually remarkably high considering the intentionality required to cast your vote. And going into the vote, those in the sports world believe this arena deal would be a lock. Internal polling also showed as much. However, if 2016 taught voters anything, it's that polling means absolutely nothing once the ballots are cast. Polls closed at 7 p.m. that Tuesday, and County Recorder Richer explained that because a large majority of the votes were mailed back early, the initial ballot release at 8 p.m. would likely be reflective of the final total. By 8.15 p.m., it became clear. The vote for the entertainment district was going to fail on all three propositions. Of the roughly 33,000 votes cast on all three propositions, about 57% of Tempe residents voted against it, while about 43% voted in favor. For those in the sports world, this was a shock. But for many Tempe residents, it really wasn't. One of the big arguments against the arena was the fact that bringing in something that nice could drive in more people or increase property values and therefore potentially hike up rents and property taxes. Something that many across the state, but especially those in Tempe, are really worried about right now. There was also discourse over flight pattern interference with Sky Harbor Airport in Phoenix, something we've covered more in depth in previous Roundup episodes if you want to check that out. Another argument was that the area where the district was set to be built, near Priest Drive and Rio Salado Parkway, would also be inundated with more traffic and make it more difficult for those who live in the area. That being said, for those who live outside of Tempe and may not be thinking about the day-to-day impacts, many were surprised to hear residents chose to keep a landfill over a new arena. Here's a little of what Arizona sports host Luke Lipinski had to say about that. So let me also say this as somebody who lives in Tempe. Who's paying to clean up that landfill in four or five years? I'm assuming Tempe first, right? 
I mean, they're patting themselves on the back today, as a lot of people who work for the Coyotes are probably going to lose their jobs if they move. But you did a great thing. You saved that landfill. Now you can either go hide under your rock again, but you better come back out in four years when the people of Tempe actually have to pay to clean up the landfill. And if you're wondering, Tempe First, who he referenced, was the name of one of the local groups lobbying against the arena. And as you can tell, tensions ran high with this vote. But now that it's over, what does this mean? Well, the Coyotes are still searching for a new home. What we know now is that the team will remain in the Valley for at least one more season at ASU's Mullet Arena in Tempe. But with their existing contract with the Arizona Board of Regents, the board which runs public universities in the state, the team could stay until 2026. But for loyal Arizona hockey fans, this just isn't enough. These folks have already begun creating petitions and scouting out other possible arena locations in the Valley, including an abandoned mall. A thread on Reddit had hopeful fans pushing for Mesa's Fiesta Mall to be the team's new home. KTAR's news director, Martha Maurer, spoke with Mesa's mayor, John Giles, about the rumors this week. Uh, we'd be very encouraging uh, in, uh, in suggesting that the Coyotes look at that piece of property as well as some other great, great sites in Mesa. He added, an arena deal in Mesa also likely wouldn't need to go to a public vote like it did in Tempe. And that's not the scenario that I see, see as being likely in Mesa. I think it would be a privately owned facility on privately owned land. And even in the midst of the emotional roller coaster, the Coyote social media team managed to have a little fun with a tweet claiming they'd reveal the next steps for the arena deal if they got more than 20,000 likes, which happened in less than two hours. Although fans were disappointed to click the link and... Get Rickrolled. If you don't get the reference, Google it. We'll continue to monitor the latest with the Arena Deal updates and, as always, bring you the very latest. And while special elections may seem to have taken center stage for a little, there are still plenty of folks focused on the last election. You know, the one in November. Over the last few weeks, failed Republican candidate for Arizona's governor's seat, Carrie Lake, has been in court defending what appeared to be the last of her lawsuits in an attempt to overturn the 2022 election results. Valley attorney and KTAR host Barry Markson explains this trial was really her last shot. It'll go on for three days. Carrie Lake will be given every opportunity to present all of her witnesses, all of her evidence, all of her experts. And it would be no small task for Lake and her team, who sought to prove that Maricopa County did not thoroughly review ballot signatures to the extent that it would have changed the results of the election. And the court will make it a determination whether Carrie Lake is able to set aside the election or have a new election. But after the trial came to an end, the judge ultimately ruled that Maricopa County did, in fact, review those ballot signatures thoroughly. Carrie Lake's own witnesses, including the, wit- the whistleblower witnesses, testified that Maricopa County did do signature verification at multiple levels. And the news of the win did not come as a shock to Maricopa County recorder Stephen Richer. We knew we would win because just as we have won all previous election cases, because we did the process right, we abided by the law, we participated with both Republicans and Democrats throughout this whole process. Or Maricopa County Board of Supervisors Chairman Clint Hickman. The county and the county taxpayers keep getting wins in the court of law through independent investigations going as far back as the 2020 election. Or Lake, for that matter. But the results didn't seem to deter her. She held a press conference this week declaring her intention to, quote, chase ballots. We're going to show up to a knife fight 
with a gun, not a knife, okay? Announcing an effort to get out the vote. We are going to get out there and register voters. We're going to register every man, woman, child, dog, saguaro, <laughs> Gila monster. Hey, if the left plays that way, maybe we should start playing that way. Yes. I'm being facetious. I'm sure that'll be your headline. <laughs> but there are no rules where the left comes in. There's no rules at all. We are going to push the envelope. The courts have ruled that anything goes. If anything goes, then anything goes. And we're going to make sure that we push the envelope, the legal envelope, as far as we can push it. Although she didn't go into detail as to what those operations would look like, she did mention failed Republican candidate for mayor of Phoenix, Marissa Hamilton, would lead the grassroots effort. The press conference got contentious with reporters, and Lake noted many examples of what she called evidence that has already been debunked in court. She also added she would potentially file an appeal in the judge's ruling. This came as Maricopa County announced it would file sanctions against Lake and her lawyer. Barry Markson explained to me what that means. The judge can just say, I'm going to sanction Carrie Lake and or her attorney's X number of dollars. They could go to the to Maricopa County and the other defendants and say, tell me what your uh, costs and attorney's fees have been. And if you're anything like me, you may feel like that word sanctions is getting thrown around a lot lately. But Barry assured me this is actually exceptionally uncommon. I mean, it's, it's such a rare occurrence that it is in, in legal circles, it's incredibly, incredibly powerful. But Barry added that Lake could even appeal the call for sanctions. But regardless, it appears Lake will continue to be in and out of court here in Arizona. And finally, it's been a continued area of focus for us at KTAR. But now, even the Biden administration is setting its sights on combating Arizona's homeless crisis. The Biden administration recently announced its, quote, all-inside initiative to address unsheltered homelessness. The Phoenix area, along with four other cities and California, will receive support from the federal government. U.S. Secretary of Government Affairs Dennis McDonough explained the federal government is seeking ways to deploy teams to identify relief and navigate funding. To accelerate ongoing efforts by local leaders, the Biden-Harris administration will offer innovative and tailored support to participating communities for up to two years. And Jeff Olivet with the U.S. Interagency Council on Homelessness explains the administration will send a federal staffer to help those here on the ground. The All Inside initiative treats homelessness as the urgent public health crisis that it is with urgency and collaboration. Mesa Mayor John Giles was a part of the big announcement after his city showed a remarkable 75 percent success rate with its own program launched during the pandemic known as Off the Streets. Off the Streets was not only a way to get people into safe housing, but it also introduced them to services to break the cycle of homelessness. We want to build on what we learned during the pandemic. And he seemed optimistic about the move from the feds. Federal commitment through this All Inside initiative is a more direct way to partner with the federal government on local solutions to address homelessness in Mesa and our region. I have to say it's a great step. And while one program will never be the ultimate fix for an issue as complex as homelessness, it is reassuring to continue to see efforts to address the ongoing concern of homelessness here in Arizona. So that's it. You're all caught up for this week, the week of Monday, May 22nd. What's ahead? Here are a few things to keep an eye out on until we meet again. She was by far one of the most talented people on the planet. The world lost a music icon this week. 
with the death of Tina Turner at age 83. Tune in now or head to KTAR.com for local reaction to this legendary woman's passing. Congress has until Thursday, June 1st, to reach a debt ceiling agreement or risk, for the first time in U.S. history, having the country default on its loans. And... If you're traveling over the holiday weekend, keep an eye out for traffic, as more than 37 million people are expected to hit the roads for this Memorial Day. As always, you can tune into KTAR 92.3 FM for the very latest on any big traffic updates. And don't forget, you can always read more on the week's top stories and get breaking news in real time on KTAR.com. You can also listen live on 92.3 FM or to take KTAR everywhere you go, just download the KTAR News app for articles, podcasts, and of course, breaking news. A big thanks for listening from your very own Valley Girls, Taylor and Kate. This is KTAR's Arizona's News Roundup. Until next week.